you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. So Biden's latest gaffe is just you ain't black. Uh, I I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, I've been making fun of the Biden Biden strategy for a while now, and. Uh, at this point, I think it might be the best thing to do is just hide Biden for the time being. And, you know, right before a debate, just give him some poppers and just let him go out and just just pray about it. Because he can't stop making gaffes every week. It's just a new gaffe. Uh, but hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's, um, you know, if uh, the last time people really paid attention to Biden uh, was the debates. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm sure you heard that motorcycle in the background. That was excellent. If, um, you know, and uh, yeah, he gaffed so hard and he's continuing to do it. It's even worse. You're right. We should probably just hide him. Just hide him. Just hide him. Just hide him in his Delaware mansion. And all you can do is just minimal contact and then when it comes to debate time, if there even are debates at this point, um, just pray about it. Just give him something and pray about it because it's I. He can't keep doing this. It's just like he always he always has to walk back. He has to say he had to say sorry. He said he was sorry for being a wise guy. Hours afterwards, and it's just like how many of those can he afford to do? At this point, yeah, exactly. Um, well, you know, with Biden uh, being an embarrassment, welcome to the show, everyone. It is Memorial Day weekend as of this recording, uh, so I hope you all are having a good weekend holiday. Hopefully, you get some time off. Um, so I just wanted to touch on that a little bit, and then let's see. So today we've got. You know, Memorial Day, we've got some, whew, we just covered Biden, and we got a big thing from Trump as well that we're going to talk about in a second. After that, we're going to go into the news, going to talk a little bit about a um, conspiracy theory for a couple minutes, which in this case, it's a uh, uh, very cheek and tongue. And then <laughs> after that, we're going to get into um, the main topic, which is food deserts. And we're going to talk about what they are, some numbers behind them, you know, the kind of damage they cause, and uh, yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. But so for Memorial Day weekend, um, you know, of course, no one likes American imperialism, but our veterans, uh, you know, I think they deserve our respect no matter what. They sign up to do a hard job, and um, they definitely deserve something out of that. So, you know. A big thing with conservatives is they they love to glorify veterans and put them on a pedestal. But when it comes to actually doing anything meaningful for them, like with policy wise, they they just turn a blind eye and uh, they don't actually work to pr improve their material conditions. So if you want to or feel the need to, um, there are some you know of course many ver veterans charities. That you can donate to um would rather not do charities my personal take anyways but there are some organizations that really do some help um some of them are psychological 
counseling, um, peer support networks, that kind of stuff. So uh, in the show notes, we'll uh, have a couple links to a couple that you can check out um, if you're interested in helping out the veterans. Of course, there's always local stuff. Look into that, too. Um, so other than that, hope you'll have a good day, a uh, good weekend. And with that, the day before the weekend kicked off on Friday, or was it Thursday? It was Thursday. It was Thursday. Yeah. Trump, uh, you know, decided that, well, he already was tired of staying at the White House. He wants to tour. He wants to have 15,000 uh, people crowds to, uh, you know, pet his ego a little bit. But he's been going to various manufacturing plants for the last uh, couple weeks just to give speeches and, you know, hype up his base a little bit. And this Thursday, this past Thursday, he went to the Ford plant. Now, for anyone not familiar with Ford, uh, I suggest looking into him after you're done listening to this. Uh, he is a very staunch anti-Semite. Um, he wrote a book about the Jew problem. Hitler gave him a the highest medal uh you know to be awarded to foreigners and so this is the person who started ford um and trump gave a i don't know 45 minute speech or something and maybe we can play the clip he basically said it's only like you know 13 15 seconds and he just kind of praised uh ford's good bloodlines <clears throat> Yeah, it's great to see that our president can just get away with Nazi dog whistling on national television, and not a single of our institutions calls him out on it. No, no, it's not insane. a single one. Not a single one. Uh, they will call him out for everything else. Um, but when it comes to you know stoking, you know the Nazis of our country, they they're scared. I don't know why they're scared, but this is this is like good bloodlines. Just saying good bloodlines at a Ford factory plant when Ford was very much a sympathizer to Hitler's cause. And it's just like it just shows you just the cowardice of of the mainstream media that they that they dare not touch it that you have to rely on Twitter and alternative media to even mention anything like this. It's it's kind of disheartening. It is, and it would rock the boat too much if they, you know, really called him out on it and you know, put his feet to the grill about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just don't want to risk their, you know, prestige or no. whatever. Um, no, and and it and I think that there is some kind of like a little bit of fear because his supporters will say no, 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 no it's not that at all, and they will just like threaten to boycott, threaten to do whatever they want to do, but you can't be tied down by that. And that's the problem is the minute anybody starts threatening uh, corporate media sponsors or advertisers, they they will back down. And I, that's kind of what I think is the cause of this, of why this wasn't touched. And maybe I'm looking too much into it, but I feel like it is newsworthy enough to bring it up because it, it's it's pretty damning what he said. It is, and it's um, you know, there's so many. We've got this kind of Trump fatigue syndrome going on where mm-hmm. 
there you know he just does stuff every single day and it's just yeah. exhausting you can't keep yeah, up it, with all of yeah, it yeah you can't keep up with it i'm like they they admitted during this entire crisis that <laughs> I've, I've been on a ufo kick but they admitted that there's <laughs> ufos and nobody gave a shit <laughs> oh no nobody cared the <laughs> the military was like, "Yeah, there's some uh, uh, some UFOs going around. We don't really know." And and the only people that really paid attention to that was, you know, the hardcore UFO uh, people, uh, because like, that's how crazy of times we're living in right now. And and it's amazing. Like if that would have come out during Obama's years, or even just two years ago, before we just became so exhausted with Trump. That would that would be the news cycle for weeks. Easily, easily, easily would. Um, that's where we're at right now. Yep, it, that's unfortunately where we're at. But you know, you gotta call egregious stuff like this out uh, whenever possible, regardless. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's only so much you can do, and. Um, you can tell only so much you can do about COVID. Um, the yeah. death toll just hit uh, the 100K mark this week, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, not at 100K yet. The official number is 98,674. So we will probably be at the 100,000 mark either tomorrow or at least by Tuesday. Mm -hmm. we, will, uh, we will hit the 100K mark and we have... Uh, 1.6 million confirmed cases. Yeah. And we're still... I actually saw a video um, last night. It was from Vox kind of talking about how we're testing. And because America took so long to actually start testing, mm -hmm. we're now doing it reactively. So mm -hmm. we're... The, the example was um, the contrast with South Korea, where they just like immediately pumped out test kits and tested mm -hmm. people at random. So they got a more accurate kind of sample size of like mm -hmm. test positive and test negative cases. We mm -hmm. are one of the highest um, test positive cases, which means our accuracy is low. Yeah. And we're still at 1.6 million. It's, you know, yeah, we, who we knows how many more we actually have completely flying dark in this still and i don't see that getting better because we've uh, basically decided that we're going to go back to normal covid be damned second wave more deaths like mm -hmm. we're going to go back to normal and things are going back to how they were uh, we're starting to see uh, big corporations uh, show how truly greedy they are, seeing uh, fellow citizens uh, just not believing it or not thinking it's a big deal or just deciding that, like, masks are suddenly political muzzles. But, yeah, it's, uh, like, since we last did this, uh, Kroger has cut its hazard pay. And they, if you didn't know, Kroger is paying its employees who are already on starvation wages uh, two extra dollars an hour to work during this. 
and they have cut that pay. They're back down to their normal pay. And some people, um, I'll try to find a link to the letter that I saw. They, Kroger is asking for money back from people that they have overpaid during this time. And I believe the lump sum of the letter I saw was around $460 that you could either do three payments of 95 or four payments or something like that. But they're asking for money back during the pandemic. They have cut weight. They have cut their wages down. Uh, we're going to see probably more of that. Amazon has followed follow that pursuit too. They're cutting, uh, cutting their hazard pay or hero pay, whatever they're calling it. And Jeff Bezos is on his way to becoming the first trillionaire. And Rodney McMullen, who is the CEO of Kroger, makes $11.7 million a year, while the lowest end of the Kroger employee makes maybe a minimum wage, maybe a little bit better, but nowhere near enough. Yeah, not even close. No, nowhere near close to supporting themselves or a family for that matter. Yeah, we're seeing we're just we're going back to greed. And I've noticed that there is a uh, a new trend on Twitter. Somebody was just like, well, nobody's forcing them to work this job, blah, blah, blah. They should have done better in school or they should have made better life choices or they wouldn't have ended up stocking groceries. Okay, well, like two months ago, you were calling them heroes. It's funny how we've gone back to that uh, usual trope of. Well, nobody's forcing them to do that job. They should pull themselves up by the bootstraps and uh, get back and put their nose to the grindstone. And next thing that you know, they'll be a CEO one day. No, no, that's not really how it works. Yeah, we're all temporarily embarrassed millionaires in their eyes. Yeah, we're all temporarily and... embarrassed millionaires, just temporarily poor. Yeah, just for a little bit. But then just they overlook bit. statistics like... I think it's like 70% of non-farm jobs are at the service industry. Like, yeah, yeah. And most of those jobs, you can't support a family, let alone barely yourself. And in the service industry, especially like if you're serving food or working with food, that has been completely disrupted during all of this. It's like, I like the restaurant industry has been booming for years and suddenly it's just been put to a grinding halt and we're going to see a lot more of people losing their jobs because some of these restaurants that close down they're probably not going to open back up yeah and i mean running a restaurant is already really tight profit margins yeah it's yeah it's already super tight profit margins so this is the unemployment issue is not going to go away. And that, that kind of leads into the next thing that I wanted to talk about is uh, you might've seen this tweet from the Oklahoma County Sheriff's department. And it goes as follow. This is a difficult, this is difficult, but we want to give as much notice as possible. Deputies will start serving judicial eviction notices this week and enforcing evictions on May 26th. Once the order is served, tenants have 48 hours to leave. We will be compassionate and respectful during these evictions. So basically, the cops are going to come to your house in um, Oklahoma County 
And if you haven't paid rent because you say you work at a restaurant that is no longer functioning or you work at some other retail job that has that has uh, cut your hours because business is slow. You're going to be homeless, but the cops are going to be nice about it is basically what they're saying. Like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, they're going to have a smile on their face, I guess. That's a plus. Yeah, yeah. And and while people are being evicted from their houses, while your your salary or is being cut, uh, you're worried about everything else that's going on in COVID, you have a bunch of people who are now revolting against wearing masks. Like, uh, did you see the Costco clip? I did not, but a personal anecdote. I went to the liquor store last night to kind of stock up. And um, mm-hmm. literally, it was just myself, the employees, and thankfully they had like a, a plastic screen in front of them and the security guard. We were the only ones wearing masks. And there's people going in and out of this store like, constantly like these people have just forgotten we've decided we've gotten bored with the virus we've decided to ignore it and we're just and even trump said that i um just remembered he said that you know if a phase two a wave two of infections hits we're not going back to quarantine we're just going to continue on so they've just given up on this entirely everyone has yeah, and it's it, that's just disturbing to me that we've just yeah, basically just given up on that. And, and I don't know, like, how have a to do this. Head. And it's just like, are they going wow, everybody is table. suffering so much. Are going to have a job? Uh, House Democrats day. just put the out Democrats the, in the, the House, Act, which is passed the, the Heroes Act. And uh, I've done a little bit of reading, but the only thing... Like, they want to do another single payment of $1,200 again. $1,200 probably didn't cover a lot of people's rent. And I know it didn't cover rent and food and car payment and credit card payment and utilities. It's just like $1,200 is a drop in a bucket, especially if you live in a city. And then they want to bail out nonprofits, which is just kind of code word for... uh, Corporate lobbyists, that's in there. Mm-hmm. And no blocking of corporate mergers. Uh, that's an, another big fear I have with COVID happening is the contraction of just, you know, small businesses closing down and big corporations just sucking them all up and rebranding them. Like uh, Uber wants to buy Grubhub. And. <laughs> Amazon wants to buy AMC theaters. And I'm just wondering how soon until the local coffee shops that I go to are in Starbucks or Panera Breads. Um, yeah. No, no health care improvements. They want, to, want you to focus on the Affordable Care Act exchanges, which already have ridiculous co-payments and terrible coverage or they want to or you they want you to do cobra and i don't know if anybody has experience with cobra here but cobra is awful it is awful like you think your health care right now is gouging you no no cobra is going to gouge you even more and you're going to get less and that's what they want to do they want to give you twelve hundred dollars and then 
they want you to turn that $1,200 around and pay for overpriced, underserving healthcare. And it's just like, it boggles my mind. You have, like, you had a chance here. And the argument I hear is they created a bill that would be palatable to the Republican-controlled Senate. And the, it didn't matter. The Republicans weren't going to do any of this. It, this is one of those things that you could have just gone big and go home. You could have pit all sorts of progressive policies, policies that would actually help working people right now, as it's just a good show of faith of being like, hey, this is what we stand for. This is what we're going to try to do for you. Instead, they just passed another just like weak, cheap band-aid that's not going to stop the hemorrhaging at all. Yeah, it's not. And it's, um, you know, the CARES Act passed uh, almost two months ago. That was about $2 trillion. I think it's like $2.2 trillion. This HEROES mm-hmm. Act is a little bit over three. The th- and from what I've understood, I've read a little bit about this at my job um, the main focus of the Heroes Act is they're also going to give some hazard pay to um, what whatever they call essential workers. I don't know exactly mm-hmm. the details on that. That's probably going to get axed. But regardless, yeah. the main focus of the Heroes Act was intended to be state and local government aid, yeah, uh, to the tune of about one trillion. Here's the thing with the Cares Act, though. There's been a couple of um, reports from the past week or two showing that the majority of the some of the you know sections of funding allocated by CARES haven't hasn't even gone out yet. Um, One of them is the airline industry. There's still forty so about fifty billion was passed to bail out the airline industry. Forty six of that billion. Hasn't been spent yet. Uh, when it comes to the roughly 500,000 allocated, or sorry, 500 billion allocated for, it was like small businesses. Um, there's about 450 billion of that still sitting around, hasn't been doled out mm-hmm. yet. So, mm-hmm. you know, they can pass as much money as they want. It, it's still going to sit around and go through whatever processes it's going to go through and it's not going to go anywhere. Um, So we're basically, not only is it already a half-baked measure that's not going to address systemic issues, it's being implemented so poorly that it's, it's going out so slowly. It's really not doing that much. Mm -hmm. No, no. And it's just like, I don't know what to say about the heroes act is like, I would like I'm not telling people that to like turn down twelve hundred dollars. Don't turn down twelve hundred dollars, of course not. Yeah. But it's not enough. And seeing that they want to bail out, you know, nonprofits, aka lobbyists, I'm just like people are, you know, suffering right now. People are scared. And saying that you did this to make it palatable to Mitch McConnell and the rest of the GOP, they were going to pass it anyways. They don't care. So yeah. why not go big and go home? Why not use the Heroes Act as a symbol of like of good faith, of like this is what we're going to do for you? And the Republicans 
don't want you to have this. They don't want you to have the help. And it, it like that would be so much more meaningful than just this, the crumbs, the crumbs that they are throwing. And that's, that's the part that makes me, makes me mad is if you knew it was going to fail anyways, why not put stuff in there to show average working Americans that you have their back, that you are at least trying to work for them. You are at least trying to make sure that people are going to make it through this tough time. Because we saw in the Great Recession of the bailouts that happened to banks while millions of homes were foreclosed on. And this crisis is even worse. And I think this uh, this entire COVID thing of like the corporate bailouts that are going on is going to make 08 and 09 look like child's play at the end of the day. We may not know it now, but in two years, we're going to see just how like people losing their homes, people losing their livelihoods while big CEOs for big companies are doing just fine are not suffering at all because there's going to be a contraction of the labor market sooner or later. It's already starting to happen, but this is not going to end well. And Democrats had a chance to show that they have some spine, some sort of fight in them to say, Hey, we are fighting for you. And they failed. They, they, they failed. In my opinion, uh, I could yeah. go on about I could go on about this for a while, but I want to talk sure. about while the Heroes Act is uh, being kind of like kind of just like already kind of ignored. This big news this week was uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, calls Trump fat, and um, we'll play the clip and. Uh, yeah, it's just like on Twitter, on social media, all I saw was slam queen, slam that. And I'm just like, okay, you called him fat. We we know that. And who cares, in my opinion? Uh, uh, the, the, thing, the thing that bothers me is uh, that we've spent, you know, years uh, condemning people that insult people for being overweight. Um, we say don't fat shame we encourage body positivity which i'm not opposed to at all it is just so amazing that like when one side does it it's it's condemned but when nancy pelosi and you know democrats do it it's like slam queen you go get that uh fat frumpy orange man okay um why like Maybe you can tell me, uh, like, why are people so just encouraged and you just so emboldened when Nancy Pelosi says something like Trump's fat, okay, uh, morbidly obese, and they cheer him on, but something like the Heroes Act and just the overall inaction that we see just get, gets completely ignored. Yeah, it's... um. There's a lot of there's a lot that goes into it. I don't claim to know all of it, but there's a uh, sort of symbolism with it, and combined with the 
misplaced priorities. So the example that I kind of like to go to is during the Super Bowl, there, <laughs> this was back in, you know, when Michael Bloomberg was still in the presidential race. And it was him and Trump who had advertisements playing. Mm-hmm. And um, Bloomberg's ad was about, oh, gun control is this horrible epidemic. Or, I'm sorry, gun violence. Uh, you know, deaths by gun violence is this horrible epidemic. He actually called it an epidemic, and it needs to be addressed. There's 25 or something thousand people that die every year from from gun violence, and we need to do something about it. And then you see all of these moderate Democrats go, oh my god, yes, it's it really is a pandemic. This is a horrible thing. And look, deaths by gun violence, that's horrific. Absolutely. Um, but there are simply much bigger fish to fry. Um, and I don't mean that to sound callous, but compare that 25-ish thousand deaths per year to, I think it's about 50,000 who die from medical bank, medical-related medical bankruptcies uh, every single year. There are 500,000 new medical-related bankruptcies happening every year. Um, mm-hmm. There's, which we'll get into a little bit with food deserts, there's diabetes, which affects 10.5% of the population, with another 35% being predisposed to developing diabetes within the next five years. So we have about mm-hmm. half the country actually dealing with a healthcare epidemic. This is just like the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. And, but we've been led to believe that because of the horrific nature, nature of gun violence, and the deaths that can recur, occur from that, it's we fixate on the intensity of that rather than other issues. It, it, we just overlook that uh, other issues in favor of the gun violence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because it's a terrible thing to imagine. And yeah. um, you just get caught up in the sensationalism and lose sight of what's, you know, the priorities and and how to even go about addressing the underlying causes for these problems. Like, yeah, it's not downplaying the entire gun issue of like, yes, people are dying. Yes. Children are dying. It's absolutely horrific. Uh, We can talk about that, but we also need to talk about people, you know, dying because of lack of medical care, Uh, people dying because of, you know, not having job and, becoming sick because they don't eat like right now during covid they're saying like uh one in five children are going to go through food insecurity and that's terrible like why aren't we talking about that like why aren't we talking that people are starving like it's we're supposedly in the richest country in the world and we can't solve people starving it's it's just like it boggles my mind, and uh, like we, we will talk about that more with uh, food deserts. But uh, let's play this clip of Michael. My, is it Mad Mike Hughes? Oh gosh, I don't have the clip open anymore. I believe um, I believe it is. I believe it, it is. Be. But yeah. Uh, so. Mad Mike Hughes assembled a rocket powered by steam 
and attached himself to it and shot himself up into the air. The parachute uh, left the rocket. And uh, I'm pretty sure he was still attached to the rocket when it collided back down with the Earth. And Mm -hmm. as far as I know, um, this person was not an engineer. Uh, I don't even think he, I don't know what his job was, but I'm pretty sure it was not engineer. I'm pretty sure it wasn't any kind of STEM degree that he got. And he put himself to a rocket and launched himself in the air to prove that the Earth is flat. Yeah, it's um, (laughs) very dark humor to laugh at this. Um, Listen, any death is is horrible, but at the... (laughs) The irony is just too much with this, um, with this clip. Uh, it, it's, and think, you know, thankfully he did this out in the middle of the desert. At least he had the common sense to say, you know what, if things go wrong, I don't want to hurt anyone else, right? Yeah. And the thing with a lot of these conspiracy theories is like, many of them result in material harm in some form or another. Um, that could mean people being injured or dying or or other you know side effects and flat earth is like the kind of like the safest conspiracy theory to buy into because how are you gonna hurt yourself or someone else if you just believe the earth is flat like whoop de doo big deal well apparently you can if you just decide you're gonna launch a rocket to prove that the earth is flat yeah if he and did this while... in the middle of a city center or the suburban area, it could have been a very different story. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, while this person might have had enough uh, awareness that I'm launching a goddamn rocket into the sky, I need to be far away from people as possible. And the only reason why we got this video was because people were there recording it. Now, say what happens if just the trajectory of that rocket just took a little bit of a turn and that rocket would have cratered into the people watching it. It was just be like, it would, it's, it's ridiculous. And it's just like, as you said, it's like, this guy might have the sense of being like, I need to go out to the desert. But what would happen is if somebody's, you know, just a little more dumb than uh, this guy. And it's just like, I live in the middle of a busy Metro. But I think the Earth is flat, and I've built this rocket that's uh, powered by propane gas, and I'm going to launch it. So, yeah, that's what, what we're going to do. Is It's like somebody could, people are going to get hurt eventually because of this. And that, that's the danger of flat earthers to me. And it's just like, that's not, that's just one of it. It's just like the entire promotion of anti-science alone is kind of scary. It's like we have years of footage. We have millions of scientists over the years that, you know, have talked about the Earth and, you know, studied the Earth. And the Earth's round. I'm sorry, like, if any flat Earther ever listens to this, but but the Earth's round. And uh, your entire theory of, like, the reason why it appears round and all that is because of ice gate, like an ice fence around it. It's stupid. It's just frankly stupid. And I don't know, like, where did it start? I've tried to, like, you know, 
do some research on it and all i can find is you know just youtube videos of people claiming that the earth is flat and this is like what was the what was the movement what was the person that was just like woke up one day and was just like you know what i think the earth's flat and i'm just gonna run with it right um it, oh it's funny you ask that i i swear i saw something on youtube or like an article like in the fairly recent past like maybe the last couple of months kind of talking about the origins of the flat earth movement and i th- mm-hmm. i actually can't remember any of the details i think it was it's a thing that's been around f- for a while mm-hmm. like at least like a few hundred years mm-hmm. um but for some reason it's uh come to the forefront for whatever it doesn't matter too much it's a curiosity i would like to find out though yeah but it's the it's been around for years it has but it's the whole trend of anti-intellectualism like you said Mm -hmm. and it it just comes down to these people when you can't agree on the source of evidence and -hmm. just what is reality and what constitutes like an actual empirical observation of the world like this this is where the fundamental disagreements come from, and you can't reason with someone who doesn't accept your, or who don't agree. If you can't agree on what is reality, you're going to go off into completely different directions. And this is what's happening with flat earthers. And it's really just like a gateway. Uh, it's, it's like the, the gateway drug to conspiracy theory mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just kind of a starting point in like a of anti-earthers. Uh, another per- another section of people that promote anti-science and, you know, just don't believe in anything. Uh, like, refuse to listen to scientists. It's just like, it, mm-hmm. it's like, it, it, Flat Earth, it's just, it picks up traction because you have a bunch of famous, you have pe- famous people, not a bunch, but famous people that, you know, believe in the theory and you know believe it or not people listen to those people and they're just like oh uh like an example is like shaquille o'neal apparently believes in the flat earth theory and shaquille o'neal is a pretty famous basketball player mob has won multiple nba championships and played for the lakers for years i'm sure he has some clout over a lot of people that are just going to be like well shaquille o'neal thinks this is uh this is there's there's some merit to the earth being flat and there's uh ice fences around everything maybe it's true maybe i should do maybe i should google it maybe i should go to youtube and next thing you know you have another fucking flat earther who's just promoting more anti-science and spreading it 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 just just spreading it around to more people just like because they'll probably tell their probably most dumb friend them just being like did you know the earth is flat and their friend be like no way and next thing you know you got another person that's just like oh shit it's just like it, it, they, they multiply so quickly, and that that's mm-hmm. the, that's the dangerous dangerous part of conspiracies. Is like I love conspiracies; they're fun to me, but I don't believe them. And I can see like when people do believe them, they're very damaging, and they promote things that are going to be harmful for us overall as a society because flat earthers might suddenly believe become 9-11 truthers and start spreading a myth uh, misinformation about that or they become anti-vaxxers and they don't vaccinate their children and they break that herd immunity or they start believing in stuff like pizzagate and they take a gun into a pizza shop it, it's it's like it's a slippery slope and like that, that, that's why we talk about conspiracy. Try to talk about conspiracies every week is because we want 
people to know that they're not real. And yeah, and they're not. And, and believing in them, you read about them all day and just get a good laugh from it. That's what I do. But believing in them can be severely damaging to everybody. And, uh, it can. I mean, yeah. And I think it's a little understandable sort of where they come from is that a lot of these conspiracies stem from a, a deep-seated like mistrust of our institutions. And yeah. that in itself is very valid. Our institutions yeah. at large are very actively failing us in so many ways. So, of course, it's natural to question the authority of these people yeah. and these entities. Oh, absolutely. But, but then it goes off the deep end so quickly because yeah. all of a sudden everyone can become an expert on a subject after like a couple hours of youtube videos suddenly mm -hmm. they know the earth is flat or that vaccines are fake because mm -hmm. they happen to get their hands on like a breitbart article or a project veritas video or some other mm -hmm. you know uh media propaganda uh yeah. entity that pushes fake news like actual fake news and yeah. You don't know any better until you actually dig into the weeds and try to actually question it, which not everyone has the time to do that. No. We're too busy trying to work and barely survive and scrape by. We don't have time to spend like 20 hours trying to debunk like one particular part of conspiracy theory. No, no. And it's just like, you know, I'm all about questioning authority. I'm all about questioning the government and its intentions. I'm all about questioning corporate media's intentions. Like, I take a lot of things that media and government officials tell me with a grain of salt because there's an agenda there. But that doesn't mean just because I think that they orchestrate smear campaigns against certain countries or uh, get us into wars on false narratives or, you know, lie to us about certain political systems uh, like political theories such as communism where, yeah. Like, I am all about distrusting the government. However, I trust scientists. As, you know, there is mountains of evidence that show that the Earth is round. There is. Or, and or spear. But yeah, it's a spear. It, yeah, it's a spear. And we can... We can we can still question authority, but not be stupid. Yeah, and the thing with, you know, with all these institutions or whatever, like you said, scientists are usually very trustworthy. Obviously, we're all human. We're not, you know, perfect. We're going to make mistakes. Even mm -hmm. a small minority of scientists might be bought off to do to push like very biased research, but that usually gets mm -hmm. called out pretty quickly among the scientific yeah. community at large yeah, just, because just look at anti-vaxxers, that's been called out. Exactly. But then, you know, you get like these one-off like ex-doctors or PhD degree people who put out a study that, you know, it doesn't matter. They just put out a study and all of a sudden their followers believe them. Regardless or not if it was like properly peer-reviewed or regardless of other criticisms against it. The thing with the scientific community at large is a lot of these people just care about understanding the world. They don't care about politics or anything else. And they follow the scientific methods very rigorously. Mm -hmm. 
And that's kind of what sets them apart from a lot of other agencies is because of the nature of science itself. Um, it's much more inherently trustworthy than, you know, the CIA, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess with, with the flat earth around the way we can get into food deserts, we've already kind of talked about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this is, so food deserts, I guess for anyone who doesn't really know, it is a, there's a couple of different definitions. It's a little bit hard to pin down a specific description of what a food desert is. The general idea is if, if you have to drive at least a mile to access healthy foods um, or even food at all, like in rural areas, um, but usually it, this can also apply to um, inner city areas where there's like within you have like a couple mile radius where there's like nothing but fast food or other junk foods and you can't get to like a grocery store. And no, Dollar General doesn't count as a grocery store. We'll get to Dollar General in a second. Um, so that's a food desert. And there's a lot of people that live in food deserts. Yeah. And um, a lot of them are in equally you know, urban areas and rural areas. And um, there's a lot of problems that come with it. Yeah. It's like, especially in rural areas, which according to the CDC, uh, there's more obesity in U.S. rural counties than there are in urban counties. Uh, Obesity's prevalence was significantly higher among adults living in rural communities, 34.2% than those living in uh, metropolitan counties. The greatest difference in prevalence were in the south and the northeast regions. Um, I don't know how many of you have driven around the country. I, I, I like rural areas, like country folk, and I can tell you that, like, I've been around, and like my family actually lives in a small, uh, small country area, and. There is no grocery stores around. There is, uh, there's gas stations and a Dollar General, which we will talk about. And it's just like, especially like if you're able bodied, you may be able to plant a garden. But if you're older or you're, uh, disabled or, you know, have any, or you just don't have the time because you're overworked, you may not have that opportunity to plant a garden and the nearest grocery store to you is 45 minutes to an hour away. That kind of makes, uh, making uh, healthy choices a little bit of a problem. And it's just like, and then you can get into uh, low income, uh, metropolitan urban areas or suburban areas that may have low income neighborhoods. And you will notice that there is a, a prevalence of uh, fast food around them. And th- that is because uh, low-income people may not, may have, maybe closer to a grocery store that sells uh, fruit and vegetables than their rural counterparts. But when they're so low-income, they may not be able to have that uh, choice of buying the organic kale from the Whole Foods when they can get more bang for their buck from a fast food restaurant. And that, that that's an issue to me of just like, why is junk food so much cheaper? And it's because there's so much additives, cheap additives such as sugar and uh, corn in them that make it 
so much cheaper to produce than growing uh, spinach or growing kale. And that's just like, that's just a recipe for de- disaster to me. And it's like, the big thing is that food choices are um, pretty shitty in impoverished areas, whether they are urban or rural. And uh, I'm going to talk about the expansion of Dollar General, especially in very low-income neighborhoods, low-income areas, specifically rural areas. And then I'll kick it back over to David, and he can talk about some of the effects of all of this. But this is from NPR. So... In case you haven't noticed, if you don't go to rural areas, there's been a rapid expansion of uh, Dollar General, uh, finding themselves in small, small counties and like counties that are not very densely populated. And like this one is when Dollar General moves into a place like Cocker City, Kansas, it brings more than cheap merchandise. The town of Cocker only has about 450 people and it's in the remote north central part of the state. It lost its last grocery stores years ago. And longtime resident Linda Clover says having food for sale in the town is a lifeline. That's awesome. You know, they have food. But in your typical Dollar General stores, it's not exactly healthy food. Most of the Dollar Generals I've walked into don't have a produce section. The section that they have is usually that has food is potato chips, maybe a small little freezer section of Hot Pockets and uh, frozen pizza, frozen pizzas. And that's not exactly, you, you can sustain yourself on that, but you're not going to sustain yourself healthily on it. And I think that that's a problem of with especially rural areas and you can go to other impoverished areas and they may not have dollar general they might have a dollar tree or uh, the the different variety of dollar stores that are out there and they're much of the same is they don't have access to produce it's the it's mostly going to be just junk food that's awful for you and you, David, you can talk about the, the effects of this uh, horrible junk food. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, pretty terrible. And if you want to get a little more of an idea of the kind of stuff, the, the highly just mass, uh, I don't know, it's just produce, produced food. Um, there's a lot of chemical additives to it. If you want to get a better idea of like what's actually in the ingredients, uh, you could go to the store yourself and and see but there's a youtube channel which i've actually i only remembered it when we were preparing for this uh for this podcast it's called the wolf pit it has a e at the end of wolf and basically the whole channel is dedicated to it's a really fun channel to watch actually it has a kind of boomer sense of humor but i don't i find it funny and he basically goes to dollar stores to find the weirdest selections of you know highly processed meat or whatever and uh he you know taste tests them he cooks them he follows the instructions he makes and a lot of times like the the cooking instructions aren't even um adequate for these for these products 
because you're cooking meat and then you actually take a thermometer to it it says to cook for like one or two minutes it's nowhere near done at the center so you can't even trust the cooking directions on the uh the packages let alone the ingredients inside the actual meat slurry that's being pushed uh in basically all the products there so it's really bad but go check out the wolf pit if uh if you want to know a little bit more about that but you know it's um there's a lot of bad stuff that comes from having a diet that almost only consists of this really bad junk food highly processed meat mm-hmm. um and the problem is that not just the food itself but the the food deserts are so massive there's oh, i have the link up here somewhere it is a list of the the biggest um wow there we go that was my ad blocker was going a little crazy here are all of the us's largest food deserts and all of them are just very heavily dense uh metropolitan areas you got new york city as the top one you got atlanta georgia detroit michigan chicago illinois san francisco california seattle washington right you get the idea this isn't like just a rural specific thing it's very prevalent in heavily populated areas um and you know high sugar high fat low actual nutrition um lots of corn um additives and high fructose corn syrup all of this stuff together just kind of creates this obesity uh epidemic but kind of more to the point is diabetes because some of the latest research that I've seen, I haven't like looked into it for a little while, but you know, obesity certainly is a thing. You know, there are many causes of of obesity. Some of it's genetic, some of it's diet, whatever. It's a combination of factors, but it also seems to, to be a response to diabetes and not necessarily a cause. So. When we talk about obesity, you also have to keep diabetes in mind, kind of necessarily. And like I kind of mentioned earlier, 10.5% of the population, this is according to the CDC, uh, 10.5% of the population is diagnosed with diabetes. Uh, We don't know how many are undiagnosed. Actually, we do. I lied. It's actually in here. it's an estimated 34.2 million people, which is 10.5%. 26.9 are diagnosed, and undiagnosed are an estimated 7.3, which is about 21%. And that's huge. Um, and, you know, type 2 diabetes is a real limitation on on your life. It, um, you have to be way more mindful of what you eat, when you eat how you eat and then you have to worry about purchasing medication and insulin there's so much wrong with our insulin market it's yeah obscenely expensive and it's designed to be obscenely expensive because this is another way for you to spend your hard-earned money on instead of actually bettering yourself or maybe buying a you know buying into a hobby make even more poor choices <laughs> Yeah, you have to make even worse choices for yourself. Um, and it's you know, there's a whole cascade of effects. It's more stress. Um, 
but then you know 10 and a half percent of the population that's that is legitimately like kind of an epidemic but then mm-hmm. there's pre-diabetes uh which is 34 and a half percent of the population is um either diagnosed or estimated to have that's 88 million people and pre-diabetes is a 30 percent uh, 30 risk of overweight men and women uh, to develop type 2 diabetes within five years of diagnosis so mm-hmm. one third of the population is only five years away from potentially developing diabetes and it's a pretty high chance 30 percent is not negligible by any means yeah. And we're not doing anything to really fix our food system. And more, you know, just another example of this is during the COVID pandemic, we have farmers and um, ranchers and whatever just dumping potatoes, dumping milk down the drain because they don't have the logistical infrastructure to just give it away. Um, fruit in California not being able to be picked because uh-huh. there's no workers, so crops are going bad. Yeah, and it's um, there's so much more that we could be doing about this. Like, we 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 have this thing called the military, which has the infrastructure to transport all of these things yeah. wherever the hell it needs to go, even if the farmers don't. But yeah. you know, Trump isn't even bothering to to utilize our. Yeah infrastructure to be able to do this stuff because they don't care they want us under their boot a little bit more and food is another way go, he's willing to uh uh do sign an order to get meat production back into back to work and mm-hmm. pushing that americans need protein and i'm just like we're like we can talk about meat some other time of just like the pollution that comes from uh meat factories but it's just like you know no send people out there to pick strawberries send people out there to uh like grab kale plant more kale spinach uh all sorts of healthy stuff instead of just solely meat and other production of stuff like you know frozen pizzas and potato chips it's just like yeah like there's you can have that i'm not one of those people that's going to judge you about about the food you eat uh but you know we can't just focus we need to focus on solving these actual problems of people not having access to good quality food and it's it, it's disheartening because what you talk about is just like diabetes and pre-diabetic it, the numbers are they're they're staggering they're they're, they're nothing to slouch at and that's caused by all these horrible foods that people are forced to eat and you know because there's not many options around them or it, they're, the, they're the cheap option to eat and it's, yeah. and it's just like you know what you said about insulin is like well that's going to line the pockets of people that provide insulin and that's going to line the pockets of you know pharmaceuticals and uh, a healthcare industry that you know that wants you to stay that wants you to be sick in my eyes in a lot of ways because it's it's huge profit margins for them yeah it's a manufacturing demand for a an essential service and it's 
it's you know completely horrific but this is the profit motive at work being placed above actual human well-being and happiness and health and another contributor that i just kind of thought of is that well the prevalence of these bad foods especially with you know meat and uh corn products is because a lot of these crops and whatever uh products are subsidized by the government and mm-hmm. um the and you know so the farmers get a kickback for mass producing these kinds of things and it's just it's a feedback loop it incentivizes bad behavior that produces already bad outcomes um and we're not really we're not really doing anything to address that or fix it in fact trump's been doing the opposite he's been kicking out scientific representatives from various government agencies like the usda um he's kicking them out of washington dc to have so they don't have like a very easy line of communication to the white house to really talk about policy and this is done intentionally that in combination with uh deliberately defunding these government agencies like the usda um is actually another contributor especially for rural areas the the usda has a housing program housing assistance program where basically it it's responsible for kind of maintaining the upkeep of houses in rural areas and usually these are very old houses that you know they need some kind of maintenance or repair or whatever maybe they're in fixable condition but they're supposed to help out and so they offer the they offer loans for these houses um at a at a lower rate as a way to try to increase um home ownership you know the american dream and everything and it's great for people to own homes right um it's you can do a lot with the yard if you want to like growing your own food which we can kind of touch on at the end of this a little bit but nonetheless the usda is trying to promote home ownership but as with all of these government agencies, what Republicans love to do is deliberately underfund them and then blame the inadequacies and the failures that will come from such underfunding. They're going to blame it on the agency itself. It's like, oh, it's corrupt. It's, you know, bloated government. That's the problem. And we just need to shrink it even more. So this USDA housing program, last year there was a big report that came out um, basically talking about the conditions of some of these rural houses. And they're just, it's not even a matter of like, you know, they need to get their their plumbing replaced or something. Um, It's like the ceiling is falling apart. The foundation is starting to get a little shaky. Um, There's, you can just like, peel away sections of wall to get to like plumbing and electrical wires like it's just kind of exposed there's rats and cockroaches and mold and you know some of these places are horrible to live in but then again these families don't really have any other choice but the usda isn't really able to do anything to address all of this these cases because they're so underfunded um and it's uh you know, if if these people have to spend money like trying to get mold out of their house, which is another health hazard, a huge health yeah. hazard, especially for children, if they're spending money on this, they can't 
even spend money on um, healthy food or just food in general. So they're going to resort to the cheap, you know, cornstarch infested foods. Yeah. They're going Um, to go to uh, the closest Dollar General, the closest McDonald's, uh, the closest whatever fast food restaurant there is. And they're going to buy a meal from there rather than having to spend more money, more gas money, and then have a higher grocery bill on good, adequate food that has nutrients. And that's that's the shame of it, of like being forced into a situation of, hey, do I choose to try to get rid of this uh, black mold that can harm my children? Or do I feed them uh, French uh, French fries with ketchup that is loaded with sugar? And it's it's it's, you know, it's a horrible choice to make. It's not even a real choice, but. This is what we talk about when, um, you know, conservatives love to say, oh, this is America. You can choose to eat healthy or unhealthy. Well, in practice, there isn't really any decision to be made. Yeah, especially when, like, especially when you're back, you have your back against the wall and you're ca- being cash strapped. And like there, there are solutions. Um one solution that you know I advocate personally on this is uh, if you're able-bodied and you can uh, you can grow food uh, like that's what I do is uh, we garden at my house uh, and grow as much uh, fresh vegetables as possible. And I think I think there's a certain pride that you can have uh, growing uh, growing your own food, which is yeah, it's, absolutely yeah, it's and, it's. Um, it's very prideful for me yeah it's it's um and there there are even crops that you can grow that are super low maintenance um Mm -hmm. there's plenty of them available even if you have a really a really shaded area for whatever reason you can still grow stuff there it just might take a little bit longer but also some uh crops like i think cucumbers actually do a little bit better in shade so Mm -hmm. you know there's always a solution to um to anything even if you live in the inner city, you can you can just put some soil in like a, a water bottle and grow a little, you know, like an oregano plant or something. Whatever. There's yeah. a, there's always a workaround. Um, and it like doesn't have to be super high maintenance. Yeah, if you're in a rural area, there are uh, there are like sometimes you can find co-ops of like farm farms that you know you can just take out the gardening yourself and uh, try to find a. CSA or a co-op to you know, if you have the if you have the opportunity and it's just like these are not the the solutions for every single problem that people may have like everybody's circumstances are different but there are ways and it's just like there's all sorts of cool tutorials on how to build garden boxes how to garden in the city how to garden from your windowsill even if it's just an herb garden and there's there there are solutions that you can take to alleviate some of this uh some of these uh, honestly in my opinion uh misjustices of like of our food of our food system in this country and it's just like you just have to look and you have to be aware of what's going on 
And if you're able-bodied and you can garden and you have extra crops, there's, you know, offered to people. There's several things that, like in San Francisco, there's people that, you know, grill a garden or in L.A. that, you know, plant crops in uh, places like abandoned houses that are empty. They'll plant crops there for people to come pick their own tomatoes or pick their own kale and spinach. It's just like there's there's resources out there. And I like I I am one of those people that I think lawns are personally stupid. I don't understand the people, the pride that people take in their lawn because you can grow so much food in your own yard that can feed you and your family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, oh, that actually I'll dig up the article. Maybe we can include in the show notes, but there's a really good article talking about the the lawn industry of lawn care and. It's actually insane how much, number one, how much pollution it creates just from lawnmowers and weed eaters and whatever, all the oh, gasoline. Yeah. And uh, it's also, it's it's a complete effort in fut- uh, futility, um, exercise in futility. It's, it, it's going to grow back no matter what. Why? Anyways, we rant about garden or lawns forever. Mm-hmm. There was something else I wanted to mention talking about food stuff. And I just, I just totally had a brain fart about it. This is unfortunate. It's a little <laughs> well, bit annoying. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is, we can try to include that in the show notes. Um, hopefully, this will uh, be posted in the next, uh, be up by tomorrow, and we can, you know, add those to the notes. But I For say. Sure. Yeah, I say we call that a night. And, uh, like, if you like the podcast, uh, please uh, give us a good review on whatever podcast platform you use. It helps people find the show. And uh, visit us at americanshakedown.com. Yep. And really quick before we sign off, there are some, we're going to, there's going to be some interesting uh, podcasts coming up pretty soon. And there are a couple of changes that, are still in the works. I don't want to say anything right now, but um, we should have some exciting stuff coming up pretty soon. Uh, something a little bit different too. So stay tuned and have a great Memorial Day weekend. Thanks for tuning in.